Hey, welcome to a new episode of Last Call Baseball, number 134. I'm Dorian, and I don't know what you've been doing over the past week, but you know what I haven't been doing? As a Braves fan, I didn't even know the playoffs started. I, I'm still waiting for Atlanta to show up, maybe win a game, maybe do something. <laughs> I'm joking. For me, I'm on hiatus. I'm not watching a single baseball game in pure frustration. I'm joking, of course, on how the Atlanta Braves lost to the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm not upset that the, that the Braves lost the series to the Phillies. That's really frustrating, but it's the manner that they did. The offense didn't show up at all. Atlanta's pitchers held the Phillies in two games to three runs, each in game one and game four. The Braves lost those games. It's what I have no words for how upset that the Braves batters were. Every at-bat seemed like it was an uncompetitive at-bat. They were just swinging at anything and everything. It's like, who is this? Can the and can the real Atlanta Braves players please show up to the stadium? They didn't. Who knows? Maybe they were body snatched by some aliens who happened to be Philly Fanatics fans. I don't know. But now here we are in the final four of Major League Baseball. But to be fair, I do want to say this. As horrific as the Atlanta Braves offense was, and part of the problem was that they weren't as clutch as they should have been as the Phillies batters were because I think in two or three games, the, the, the Braves left, I think, eight or nine batters in at least two or three, excuse me, the Braves left at least eight or nine men on base two or three of, the, of these games against Philadelphia Phillies. They just could not bring someone home to score. They couldn't hit home runs, with the exception of Austin Riley. And Spencer Strider pitched two very good games against the Phillies. It wasn't his fault that he lost both those starts. That that was all on the offense. That could not buy a run. But on the flip side of that, as horrific as the Atlanta Braves offense looked, the LA Dodgers offense was even worse Holy schmoly. I'm not going to get into that. I mean, Mookie, well, let's get into it a little bit. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman combined for one hit. Holy schmoly. They get swept. None of those games were competitive against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Congratulations to the Diamondbacks moving forward, playing the Philadelphia Phillies. In the National League, I genuinely think the Arizona Diamondbacks have some serious mojo going on. And I think they're going to take down the Philadelphia Phillies. The Arizona Diamondbacks will take down the Philadelphia Phillies to go to the World Series. In the American League, Texas and Houston, I also think Texas has some of that World Series mojo. And I think the Rangers are going to be the ones singing. What's that song? That, what's like their unofficial anthem of the Texas Rangers, Higher by Creed? <laughs> they're going to be going on to higher and higher places to play in the World Series later, later in this month. So congratulations to the Houston Astros, the Texas Rangers, the Diamondbacks, and the Philadelphia Phillies. And this week's guest loves the Philadelphia Phillies. This week, our special guest is Darren Moore, a Philadelphia-based artist, comedian, and casting director. Darren, welcome to Last Call Baseball. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited about this. Darren, who is harder to impress, a comedy crowd or an art dealer? Um, I, I think it, it depends on the crowd and it depends on the, the dealer, right? Uh, from a, a comedy, I think the, the, the hardest crowd to impress is a crowd of other comics. Um, if you're at an open mic or you're at any kind of show where there's this, um, you know, there can be a lot of gatekeeping, gatekeeping in comedy and there can be a lot of like just salty kind of haters. It's not everybody, but they, they're out there. And, um, uh, I, I don't have too much experience with art dealers a lot of my stuff has just been displayed in uh restaurants and um, that's one of the things i'm trying to crack into but i think you do get you i have a friend who's a collector and you do get to a certain level where there is a lot of um some of the, some of these art dealers almost well they do they function as agents for for the, the talent as well and if you have somebody who's you know kind of been chosen they can be uh, kind of shepherded along to like almost like a recording artist or any other any other kind of like performance art 
sometimes they'll, they'll sign a contract and they if they don't want them to produce too much art because they don't you know the market's supply and demand like any other art any other market right so if you have a, a an artist that you're trying to drive up the the cost of their art and the value of their art they'll actually sometimes they'll pay them not to create which is crazy one of the reasons I invited you on because you are an artist, you are a comedian, like I said, you're casting director and also you're a Phillies fan, but we'll get to the baseball in a second. I, sure. I I love going to art galleries, whether usually like on the East Coast, whether it's in New York or like Art Miami or Basel and the galleries in between, uh, obviously Miami and mm -hmm. New York. I, I didn't know about that, that somebody wants yeah. to like suppress. And like you said, basically, it's kind of like, I guess, artists is almost kind of like diamonds where there are actually a lot of diamonds in the world. But the reason that it's so, so expensive is because there's an artificial suppression of the of that market. Right. Yeah. The, the market, market is being controlled by this kind of like elite few. Right. And I think that happens with a lot like the the, the power resides in the people who, you know, going back to the gatekeeping thing, they, they protect it. So yeah, their own best interests. Your passion is art, but you're also a stand-up comedian. Like, how in the world do you marry those two? Because those seem like very, even though they're performative arts. I mean, the, your your performance for your your piece, yeah. whether it's a sculpture, a, a canvas is up on the wall or on the floor. But yeah, they're both performative arts. How do you how do you do both those things so well? Well, thank you. I think that each of them kind of represents a different point in my life and. I'm extremely passionate about each one of them, but for different reasons. I grew up drawing and I grew up painting. I was always, in, I was in the art honor society when I was in uh, high school. It was like the only thing I really stuck with. And uh, it was always my escape, you know, you know, if there, if I had periods of, of my life where, you know, my, my social life wasn't, it, if I was lonely or whatever, I, always, I could always draw. And I kind of got away from that. In 2017, I went on a trip to Rome. I met my father there because I was coming from California. And I start, I bought a sketchbook in Rome and I just started drawing all of the, uh, the landmarks. I drew the Pantheon. I drew the Colosseum. I drew a, uh, a fountain in, in a, a, a plaza by Bernini. Uh, and every time I was drawing these things, uh, somebody would stop. And they, oh, I drew, drew the Castle St. Angelo, which is, I fucking love castles. Uh, yeah, I just love, I love castles. Anyway, so every time I stopped to draw something, I was like really rewarded by strangers. Like they would come over and they would compliment me. And I mean, some of them didn't speak English. And I was just like, why aren't I drawing regularly? Like this is, this was such a huge part in this. I was like 35, 36 at that time. So this was like a huge part of my childhood. And I think once we get to, I'm, I'm 42 now, once we get to a certain age, we kind of revert to what we used to love. You know, we just kind of revisit it and we're like, oh my gosh, why, what am I doing? Why do I haven't done this? And then, so uh, that sparked this kind of like renaissance in my art career. Um, and then uh, when it comes to stand-up comedy, comedy came about in a time in my life where I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was in my last semester at college at the University of Central Florida. I, I got four different internships. Uh, one was in radio. Uh, one was in, ironically enough, uh, unscripted te television for Pink Sneakers, uh, Pink Sneakers Production Company, which is reality. And then one was with uh, radio. Did I say radio? Oh, but one of them was, oh, one was with a magazine. I was writing articles. And the last one was at the uh, Orlando Improv. And it was such a waste of time because they didn't have any kind of structured, uh, they didn't have any kind of structured internship program. So I just wound up following this guy around. His name was Toby. And he was like the event coordinator. And I was basically like doing event sales for him and getting no money. I was just, it was so weird. Like I didn't stick with it, but it exposed me to the stand-up comedy world, which I knew nothing about. Like, how do you go about doing stand-up comedy? First night I ever saw a live stand-up comedy show, I was like 23 or 24. Um, and I saw my uh, still good friend, Patrick Garrity. And if you don't know him, look him up. He's a road dog and he's hilarious. And uh, I saw him on stage. It was a Wednesday night, it was an off night. They had a fallout. Um, a lot of times they'll call up like a local headliner to fill this spot if they have somebody fall out. And so Pat was on stage and he was like just ranting about some fucking idiot who was just, he was heckling him. And um, Pat made this dude cry. And I was like, holy shit. I'll never forget. He was like, uh, 
he was like, yeah, I, I fucked your mom last night. He's like, yeah, I, my mom's in a wheelchair. He's like, yeah, I know. I had to drag her out of it to have, you know, it was just like, it was so, I mean, uh, I just, and then I started, so I started going to, I started going to open mics every week, Bonkers Comedy Club on 436. It was in an old Howard Johnson hotel. It was like the cheesiest, like little bar and, and nobody cared. And, and it was just, but it, like the social circle that I realized from that and the identity that really kind of gave me a lot of direction would later. Um, so I did, I did bonkers comedy clubs, uh, Joe San Filippo and Margaret San Filippo. Um, they're still, they're, they're great people, but they do these rooms that are in like, they'll set up a comedy show in like either a hotel or, or um, a brick and mortar establishment that's not designed for comedy. So there's, they just, they're kind of like B rooms, you know? But they do get some A-list a acts. They've had like uh, Dan Whitley, Larry the Cable Guy, kind of came up through them. So um, they do have a lot of uh, a great talent that goes through there. But so I worked their rooms and other, you know, kind of mid-level, low, lower-level rooms in Orlando and then the Southeast. So I uh, so that wound up giving me the motivation and a reason to move out to California. And then once I moved out to California, I I didn't want to put all my eggs in like the comedy basket because I just I've known so many people who have done this for decades and decades and they they still do it and they still love it. But it's not like they're thriving, thriving, like being able to buy houses and stuff. The only the most successful comedian that I am friends with is, is Preacher Lawson. And he's he's killing it like he's. He was on AGT, extremely marketable guy. He's hilarious, extremely likable guy. I, when I got out there, I had a mutual friend that uh, introduced me to a casting director, a casting director for unscripted casting. And that led me down a path to what I still do today as my, my bread and butter. I still do comedy. I still do art, but you know, casting, unscripted casting, it's the umbrella term for reality, documentary, all those things, um, real people casting. I'm not casting actors, although the, they sometimes those those lines sometimes become blurred. But by and large, um, yeah, I cast real people for TV and documentary. You you've been, you mentioned some of my favorite cities in the world, Ro the, the Rome. I love I love the chaotic yeah. energy of Rome. That's one of my favorite oh. cities in the world. And I, and I love L.A. for completely different reasons. But when you're in yeah. Rome sketching all these old historical things, did you manage to sketch any of the cats in the cat, cat sanctuary? Because no. I noticed you had a picture of a cat in some interview you did like two years ago uh, when you were living out in L.A. So I was like, this yeah. guy's a cat lover. He's He gets thumbs up from me. Oh, oh you, you like cats? Oh, I love cats. Yeah. I I, I did not. The, the answer to your question, I, I did not have the opportunity. I didn't even know that where that was. I didn't know that exists. And, and now I'm going to have to go back to Rome. It's to by it's like the Pantheon. I used to go. Um, I went I've, I've gone to Rome a bunch of times. But the first time I went, I stayed at my friend's house who lived in uh, in uh, Quattro, Quattro Venti, which is like a neighborhood just out in, in like the suburbia part of Rome. And I used to take the train into like the historical part of Rome. And then the, oh. the train station is like the train stop is almost right in front of the cat sanctuary. It's like this sunken area. And I, and then I would just, uh. I would never pay the bill, the, the, the ticket. I would, I was, uh, you know, they, thank God I didn't get fined like 50 <laughs> euros every time you go, but yes, they have cat, they have a cat sanctuary in Rome. And I also love going oh. to cat, uh, cat cafes when I, when I travel. Oh yeah. I mean, cats are just, they're so chill, man. And, and they're just so. I don't know if if I love dogs. I love all animals, but if you had to put a gun to my head and you're like dog or cat, I'd be like, man, uh, I'm, I'd be like the John Wick of, of of cats. If someone killed my cat, I'd fucking hunt them down. I would kill them, all their family. I would, uh, yeah, nine lives for nine lives. That's a way I think. I feel um, you. Cats, cats are different than dogs. I love it because like they, yeah, you're right. They're so chill. And you have to, they actually have to just be comfortable around you. And they're not very needy. Like, when when someone yeah. tells me they love dogs, like great, I I I like dogs as well. But I think when someone says they only love dogs, it's like they need they need that attention. It's like there's some grounding that you yourself need to be doing. Go see therapy, go yeah. to a retreat, go pray, meditate. But a cat is like we're equal here. It's not. I am not here to make you feel better, make you feel less anxious. I think they've done studies where cats that recognize their name. They just, but when you call them, they just, they just don't care. They're just like, okay, that's great. Yeah. You just said my name six times. What are you going to, I'm fine. 
Dude, I can't say enough about Rome. It's, it's one of my favorite cities in the world. I was lucky enough to like spend about a, uh, two months total there back in 2017. And it was amazing. It was, it was, yeah, one of my favorite places on, on the planet. Continuing about art, and maybe, maybe that's something that you're going to do in the future, do like a cat series. But how do you, how yeah. do you, how would you describe your art? Um, and like, what so do you enjoy most to, to represent? A lot of times you look at some, some artists and you, they all have, like the, a very similar style and they, they kind of stick to one thing I, I i get bored easily so i like when i when i draw and i sketch i like to draw like characters and kind of like fantastical things uh i love i love pen drawing i love the the finality of it i you know when you can't erase something you're very committed to lines i love actually i've been doing blind contour uh when i've been drawing sometimes lately what, what, what are, you, what are bl uh, blind contour is when you you don't look at the paper you don't pick the pen up just look at the subject and you you just draw it you and it's very it's very simple but it it winds up giving you a very abs abstract impression i mean if, if you have a good kind of connection with your mind and your, your hand you're, you're going to be able to tell like oh it's a cat but it's going to be like a, a picasso cat so it's going to be very kind of almost fragmented and and um but it, it's fun it's it's actually a, if you have any interest interest in drawing it's just a good exercise in kind of uh spatial uh management and things like that so i love i grew up the majority of my life drawing since getting back from rome i started doing a lot more acrylic painting and about two yeah december two years ago i did a live painting uh, at a, for a charity event in LA. And I was like, man, what do, what, what do I really love that I can capture really easily? And I, I love cactus. I love cacti. I love cacti. Uh, that's one of the things I used to do when I lived in West Hollywood was I just walk around, look at all these beautiful succulents and cacti in everybody's yard. So um, for this, this nonprofit, I make my, I mix myself uh, four shades of green. I already had the background painted down you know, and I, it was really a practice in uh, time efficiency and um, tonal variation, you know, so I, I, um, I had my two kind of middle colors and I had my lowlights and my highlights. And through this, over the course of like three hours, I was able to get something down that I was really happy with. And then they sold it and they went to charity. And the, the person who bought that also wound up buying two, two or three other cacti paintings, and I would say the the the, uh, the style, overall style of these cacti are kind of like they're a little bit modern. They're they're very the the color palette. I I've, I've really grown to love and go back to a lot is pinks and greens. I think it feels it feels very fresh. Almost feels like a little Miami ish. I love design and I love architecture and I love kind of modernism. So I think some of my stuff could be um, interpreted as that. Here I have one behind me. Those are. Yeah, I see that. It's, it's like a uh, pinkish sky, and yeah. it's maybe like sunsetish, and obviously the three. Yeah, uh, yeah they're cacti, yeah. but it's almost like uh, the essence of a cacti. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're kind of oversimplified versions of cacti. They're almost kind of like modern, yeah, modernist ones. So those, I think, those are like two of my favorite styles. Oh, I, you know what? I totally forgot. I I also have a, a line of greeting cards. They're called Twisted Greetings. Let me show you. <laughs> so these are very, uh, like, this is an example of one of my tw Twisted Greetings cards. It's a woman. She's got missing an arm, right? And then the sentiment when you open up, I'd give my right arm for you. So it takes a, 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 a very warm and kind of uh, a very warm sentiment and breaks it down literally. Like, uh, there's ones that, like... Uh, my heart is yours and he just rips his heart out of his chest and he's giving to so those are my twisted greetings cards the, yeah, but are... i want to let everyone know though the card you just showed me had the not, it was not just a woman ripping off her own arm she has this oversized smile as well yeah they're very happy you know they're very cheery my mom hates them she's like they're so dark i was like no look at everybody that's they're always smiling in spite of it all right everything that i do is pretty bright and happy you know, Darren, I've only been talking to you for about 20 minutes, but I can tell you are a learned man. First off, you are a, <laughs> a what is it, a golden knight, an alumni of UCF. So you 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 know intimately Florida man. You oh, yeah. lived in L.A. 
you, yeah. as you said, you spend a, lo- a big amount of time in Rome. You're an artist, you're a comedian, you're a creative director. But why in the world are you decked out in Philadelphia Phillies gear right now? Where in the world does that come from? Why are you a Phillies fan for such a learned man? Well, first of all, I thought this was going to be video as well. So I feel like an idiot. I'm just, I'm dressed like a moron, right? <laughs> no, um, not at all. But- <laughs> And and I, I want to also point out that you're wearing an Atlanta Braves cap, and it's 4:22 Eastern right now. So that means at 6:07 p.m. Eastern, precisely what's that? Uh, an hour and uh, 38 40 minutes. Seven. Yeah. For an hour and 45 minutes from now, we will be mortal enemies, which I'm okay with because I think we've established a bond here, and we'll go back to being friends after. But I'm I'm from South Jersey, man. I grew up in uh, uh, South suburban South Jersey. I'm, it's a Philadelphia suburb, which is where I live now. I moved back here. So the first like two decades of my life, I, you know, I spent in in South Jersey. Huge fan of the Phils. Uh, my favorite team ever is the '93 Phils, who went to the this World Series and lost in six games to the uh, the Blue Jays. But more importantly, uh, beat the Atlanta Braves in the National Championship Series. I remember that. I couldn't believe that they yeah. lost to those bums, like the, the cigarette smoking, like out of shape dudes. I was like, I can't believe it. I can't. I, oh, I, yeah. I still remember that. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's why I love that '93 Phils team. They were just such a bunch of ragamuffin, scrappy dudes. Darren Dalton, first of all, he had the same name as me. So I'm like, of course I love him. Plus, he was like a stud. Like, he had his a playboy wife, super good-looking guy. I'm like, one day I'll be like Darren Dalton because I'm Darren. And then, you know, uh, first base, you had um, Crocker. Who doesn't love John Crock, right? You don't have to be a Phillies fan to love John Crock. He's great. And then second base um, was Kevin Stocker, shortstop, Mickey Borandini. Or maybe I, I switched those up. Third base was uh, Dave Hollins in the outfield. You had the dude, Lenny Dykstra. Um, and Dykstra, let's be clear, was always juiced to the gills. And I used to look at his muscles and I'd be like, man, he's jacked. And then, you know, years later, we realized they're all doing steroids. But, hey, I think that proves that they're great for baseball. They After the 94 strike, the steroid era saved baseball. Let's not lie to ourselves. The 93 Phillies were ahead of the time. They were trendsetters. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my favorite. That was my favorite. That my favorite ball club. But I will say this current Phillies team is really, really making their way into my heart. The passion that Bryce Harper plays with. And he's like, you have big moment guys. Bryce Harper's a big moment guy. A-Rod, I mean, he used to be a phenomenal baseball player, but if you're if if I'm in a clutch situation, I have A-Rod or David Ortiz, like give me David Ortiz 10 out of 10 times. He's just some guys just thrive on that pressure. Yeah. So I love the Phils, you know, just just growing up around Philadelphia, going to games at the uh, the old Veterans Stadium when I was a kid, that piece of shit stadium. Like we would get the nosebleeds. You can everybody looked like ants on the field. They used to 70, 80,000 people capacity and maybe maybe it'd be a 30, 40,000 people, you know, all these wasted seats and all this wasted space. But. Uh, yeah, I love the Phils and f- the Philly fanatic, bro. Do you guys even have a? Do you guys have a mascot? Does Andrew yeah, have? it's um, uh, I think I think his name's Orbit. No, I don't know. He has like this Orbit? weird, these weird ears that pop out like this. I, I don't even remember. I don't even remember his name. Is he like a Native American? No, there used to be uh, Oklahoma uh-huh. used to be the the the. Chief Nakahoma used to back this is back in the 70s and 80s and the Braves were really, really bad. Yeah, but then they obviously they got rid of that. So uh oh, I, yeah, you got canceled. I, I, I see his face. I now I can't remember his name. He he has like a creamy face, he's fuzzy, and he has ears that stick out like a foot uh, on each side. It's not a pretty sight. Yeah, you gotta you have to cancel anything having to do with Native American culture, you know, which hey, I don't know. Is it disrespectful? Do you still you still do the tomahawk chop? They they know the in the stadium you know they no longer lead you on it so they really? they don't actually pump the music in but up and even oh. till last year like they would like lower the lights and like you would just turn your phone on with the with the light <laughs> to do uh. the job but at the same time it's the Atlanta Braves have a really good relationship with the the Native Americans of the Eastern Carolinas and Georgia okay. and they do a lot of like initiatives with them and like baseball and education and yeah. Apparently, they those tribes have come out numerous numerous times and say, 
we don't care that they do that. They're they're more yeah. they they have other problems than someone yeah. just doing a chant. I think a lot of times it's the the, the people who become offended for these special interest interest they're just groups. looking to get offended. They wake up and it's like, yeah. what do I want to get? What do I want to be that mad about today? This is this is kind of funny. I was uh, this was about it was two years ago actually. I was with my girlfriend who is Mexican and and she's also fifty percent Native American. And we were at a, uh, we love uh, design and furniture and stuff. So we were at this thing called Modernica. We were looking around at all this, you know, 50s, 60s vintage furniture. And I looked at this, I saw the sculpture and I was like, it was kind of a piece of shit, but it's something I thought maybe was cheap. I could take home. And so I was like, hey, how much is this? And some hipster shouted to his, his friend Riverwind or whatever his name was. And he's like, uh, oh, he's like $900. I was like, well, that's that's fucking dumb. That's, you know, okay. I could see what you're trying to accomplish here. And we were dressed up. I was dressed up as a, a, a construction worker and she was just, <laughs> she had a sombrero on. And so they're like, what do you guys, uh, it, oh, it was Halloween. That's a very important detail. We're, this is Halloween that we're walking around doing this little thing. And uh, they're like, what do you, what do you guys dressed up as? And I was like, well, I'm a construction worker. And she, she pipes up and she's like, and I'm the Mexican that took his job. And so this is a very funny joke with between us because she's Mexican and we're, you know, we like having fun, but, you know, not in a disrespectful way. And they're, they just, the way they reacted and it was just like, okay, guys, you know, calm down, lighten up. This is, you know, she's, she has that privilege, right? My they need, they need some more uh, Darren Dykstra in their life. Yeah. To have some, learn how to learn how to have, learn how to live and have fun. Oh, those two, man. I remember reading stories about them, like the drunk driving, the the kind of womanizing. The dude was, yeah, nails, tough. Maybe, they, maybe he got yeah. beamed in the head too often. I don't know. I don't know. He was just a dick. He, he's done so many shady things. Kind oh, yeah, with uh, the, the, the fraud, the, the fraud, the defrauding of, I forget what it was. Wasn't it like a video game or is that somebody else? Yeah, I think I think so. But it's, it, I, I think he may have even been selling drugs, dude. Like, <laughs> Who knows? I think. You know, <laughs> you were you were saying that when you were growing up, you liked who's the the, Dar- the Darren player? Um, Darren Dalton. Darren Dalton. And you're saying, oh, because we share the first name, the first the, yeah. we share the first name. You liked him. One of the reasons you liked him. When I when I, when I was uh, preparing to talk with you, I was like, you know what? It's a long shot, but maybe he's this this guy is related to Henry Moore. Because you're an artist, Henry Moore's the a seminal sculpture. The, the you know he did those oh. humongous ones, and I was like, well, maybe I'll ask him. So, are you related oh, yeah. to Henry Moore? Not that I know, man. I, Moores are uh, there's a lot of us, Tom. and I I don't think that we're all. I never did a. I actually have a 23 me. I got a I got a mail in. Dykstra was indicted on possession of cocaine and possession of methamphetamine, both third degree crimes. Um, a lot, you know, he was also indicted on terroristic threat charge. So he's like threatening people's lives and, and he's like checking sport. all the box scores uh, in, yeah, the, in the life literally. in the in the in the in the baseball score of life. He went full WT white trash, baby. Have you ever thought about incorporating something about your time in Florida and Orlando in either your stand up or your or your artwork? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all influenced by the places that we've lived. If we've spent a, a significant, significant amount of time there, you know, when I look at, you know, the first two decades I spent in the Northeast, the next decade or so I spent in the, the Southeast, the next decade was in L.A. and now I'm back in, in South Jersey. So when I look at um, a lot of my earlier material, I had some like NASCAR stuff. And it's funny because I feel like it's very uh it's like a trend to Florida man and to, to rip on Florida and to, uh, you know, just highlight all the craziness. I mean, I'm sure you've done this. I don't know if you have, but when you Google your birthday plus Florida man, then you see some absolutely fucking bonkers article that comes up as some guy who tried to ride an alligator while he's on methamphetamines or some shit. Uh, I love Florida. I defend Florida and I defend Florida, man. I'll tell you why. I spent a lot of time in my life in Florida. People don't realize that the the very fact that Florida man exists means Florida is better than everybody else. And this is not a joke. Yeah. This is because the sunshine laws, which means every arrest, every anything to do with law enforcement, anybody, mm-hmm. whether you're a journalist or anyone can look it up and ask and and, and file a, a FOIA, uh, Freedom of Informa- Information Act. 
the majority mm-hmm. of states in the United States, as crazy as it sounds, this is true, the freedom of the press, all that stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of that is restricted. And so they are just as many insane people in Iowa, in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. in Georgia, in California than there is in Florida. Mm-hmm. But because Florida, you have to the government has to open up its book so to speak on any type of law enforcement issue therefore it's it's a very easy it's it's a treasure trove for all journalists to then say oh look at what happened florida yesterday oh i did not know about that so so the arrest records are more obtainable to the public public. yes in the state of florida than it is in any other state in the union People don't realize that, and that's why. But people still make keep making fun of Florida because it's like <laughs> there's too much sun there. It bleaches your brain. It's yeah. it's funny to read, but there is a reason why you're it's you're able to read it. You can't read that stuff for someone in this, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or yeah. state of Ohio. I did not know that. Two questions in one. Okay, tell me the difference <clears throat> in the art scene on the East Coast in LA, and tell me the difference of I, I don't know if you made it out to baseball games at Dodger Stadium or down in Orange oh. County at uh, oh, at the oh, Angel. Yeah. Or uh, what is it called? Angels. What the heck could they call it? Whatever, wherever the angels play. What is what are differences have you found in the art scene on the East Coast and the West Coast? And then the fan experience going to a ball game in Philadelphia versus L.A. or uh, down in Anaheim. I think, of of course, the, the <clears throat> well, the, you know, there's several different aspects of an art scene, right? You have street art. You have um, like local art. And then you have like the, the gallery stuff. I think. You know, New York is obviously known to be have all these very prestigious galleries, but L.A., they have Museum Row and they have some of these uh, like older collections of art to me. So I I don't think I can speak uh, very knowledgeably on on when it comes to like the gallery angle of like selling art uh, because I'm not with a gallery. I'm not represented by any gallery or anything like that. But just from the accessibility. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. Um, yeah. Just from, from the uh, th- there's two metropolis areas that they're going to draw uh, talent and they're also going to draw like collectors. So, I mean, you look at like the Getty Museum, the Getty Villa, you look at uh, LACMA, um, you look at um, the Broad. The Broad. I love the Broad. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's um, I think it's better than the the Getty Villa um, or even the one in Malibu. The, I think the one in Malibu is kind of like it's a beautiful place, but it's just yeah. like you just recreated like Hadrian's Temple, and it's like okay, yeah. like I don't know, so it's like a waste that, of money. I'm I think. surprised for you being a Rome guy. I'm surprised you don't love the Getty Villa because that's exactly what they did. They recreated like, Henry but that's Hadrian. why I don't like it's not authentic. I mean, in the sense of oh, they yeah, obviously yeah. have authentic pieces there, but yeah. I, I understand you want to put it in the in the place where you would have found it if you were. Yeah. Incredibly wealthy 2000 years ago. Yeah. But then New York, um, you got the Guggenheim. Uh, obviously, Philadelphia has got the Philadelphia Art Museum where the, the Rocky steps are. So I think there's I mean, look, art, art's everywhere. It's always going to be. Uh, and and the, the bigger the population of a place, the more talent you're going to have just by sheer numbers. But then um, the second question yeah. So, um, yeah, w- when I was living in L.A., I was in West Hollywood, so I was probably seven, eight, nine miles from Dodger Stadium up in uh, off of uh, oh, what was Chavez Chavez Ravine. Yeah, Chavez Ravine. And um, I don't know if you've ever like dived into the history of, of Dodger Stadium and, and what had to happen yeah. for that that wonderful stadium to take place. But it's kind of it's not the nicest thing that ha- they displaced a lot of um mexican americans that you know had lived there for for decades and that being said it's one of my favorite uh ballparks uh the dodger stadium aesthetically i mean when you're at a ball game at dodger stadium you know especially an afternoon night game when you go in there and it's daylight and then the sun sets and then you see the you know you can see all the the houses and the hills beyond and then the lights start to come on um, I love Dodger Stadium, um, and and it's just a great ballpark. It's a beautiful ballpark in that way. And I don't know if you find this. Obviously, you grew up you grew up a Braves fan, but then if you do move around the country, if you're lucky, you get to adopt a home team 
for your time there, that's a great home team. I love the Dodgers, man. I love Clayton Kershaw. Um, a lot of the guys who were on the team when I was living there, um, I'm trying to think who else. I think Mookie Betts was, he just got there recently, but he was there. Um, even um, he was, anyway, there's been a couple of Phillies that re- relocated to, to, uh, uh, oh, you know who it was? It was uh, the the second baseman, um, Chase, I see, Utley. Chase Utley. There, that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he was on the twenty, I think the twenty seventeen or the twenty nineteen World Series. Right. So the Dodgers, they're a great club, and I, I love uh, I love a team with history. I don't even hate the Braves, man. I mean, you're talking about you know some people get so wrapped up in their divisional rivalries, and you're just like, shut up, who cares? Like at the end of the day, it's baseball. Who doesn't love baseball? Uh, a lot of people don't actually. I tell <laughs> I tell people I love baseball all the time. They're like, "That's boring." I'm like, "Well, you have no attention span because it's a game of, it's it's such a game of suspense. That's w- what it is." And I think I actually read an article where it broke down the actual action time versus the uh, standing around time. And football has way more time standing around. They're they're play stop play stop. So baseball is exciting, bro. I, I mean. Even going back to that that game uh, the the other night, that the game one of the um, divisional series, NLDS, yeah, Atlanta this year was they're so good. They're, I mean, would they have five guys that hit thirty or more homers or something ridiculous? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was like it was Acuna, an insane number. Acuna didn't he he steal like seventy bases and hit? Yeah, over he stole homers. I think he stole seventy or seventy one bases and like hit forty one home runs. It's just. So like it, it's insane. 40 club. What about the 40, 70? That's insane. That's ridiculous. and he almost did it. For, people were like, "Oh, it's because of the bases were so big." It's like, well, if the bases are so big, why didn't anybody else do it? And Acuna almost did. Had he almost had a 40, 40 year? I believe it was in twenty nineteen. He had a year that he hit forty one home runs and he stole like thirty eight bases. He's he, you know he had that injury a few years ago. This is his first yeah. full year back. It's super healthy. It's like he already had it in his blood to do it. So it's no yeah. surprise that he could do forty forty, but not 40 70 that's that's crazy and 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 going back to those those like little tweaks that they made over the offseason the slightly bigger base i don't that's not gonna make you win uh steal 70 bases bro i mean i think they did the the math and it was like it with that added uh size of that base maybe the bases are like two inches closer or something like that right yeah something that, it's 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 almost negligible but it, there there is there is a difference but not like an extra foot. Yeah, I guess going back to yeah, I I love. Uh, I never. I saw the the they call it the freeway series where the the angels come up and play, and um, you know I I I'm mean, also a big Mike Trout fan. I love Mike Trout. He grew up in Millville, New Jersey. I was going to ask you if you were by there. Yeah, I mean, there's an airport that my dad and I used to go down to Millville and and uh, have uh, breakfast at this little cafe, and so yeah, love Trout. I hate to see all his injuries. It kills me, but, um, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy next season, but comparing LA, you get, you got to look at the fans too. I think that's part of your question. The LA fans, bro, they're so unique. They, you know, the, the Chicano and Chicana culture, the Southern California, Mexican culture is evident at every Dodgers game, you know, Los Dyers, they're the, they're the, they're the you know, they're, they're the home team. They're the, and it just feels like you can get a Micheletta, you can get a, a Dodger dog. It's, it's the Dodgers culture is such a distinct culture. And then when you get to Philadelphia, and this is why to me, there are certain baseball cities that are, you know, got to talk about Boston, Philadelphia. I hate the Astros, but their fans seem pretty loyal. And the, the Dodgers, um, I don't know. I don't know how the Braves fans are, but then you have so- certain fan bases that don't support um, like like Tampa Bay, like Tampa fans. I don't know. Are there any Tampa fans? And I skipped over the New York Yankees because the Yankees are for some reason, they have this ability to absorb fans from all over the country. They just New York Yankees. They I, I like the Yankees as well, but I don't know if they have I don't know about their fan base. I'm not sure if they're really everyone always makes fun of, of the, the race because no one shows up. And obviously everyone saw that. I think it was like 17 or 19,000 people showed up to the, those two wild card games against the Texas Rangers really? last week. But really? the issue is people don't understand it. The, the stadium is in a, in a, in a town called St. Pete, 
It's yeah. about a 40 minute drive in horrific traffic. It's there's over no population over a bridge. Yeah. yeah. Tampa Bay loves their sports teams. Tampa yeah. Bay, they love the Buccaneers. They, yeah, they love the Tampa Bay lightning, a ice hockey team in Florida. Yeah. That in itself should blow your mind. You yeah. go, you drive around the Tampa Bay area. There are people with their cars and the flags of the Buccaneers and the, um, the, the lightning or us. There's a lot of UCF alumni usf yep. alumni fsu uf i mean they love their sports and they yeah. would love the race too to go in person but make the stadium in tampa proper not in the outskirts and then for the yankees i don't i don't even dislike the yankees i just like yeah. how the media makes them as this is the team like that's it anything yeah. if 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 the manager of the yankees sneezes it needs to be the first two minutes on espn or on Sports Illustrated or whatever. It's like, stop talking about the Yankees. They're not the only baseball team in the universe. And, you know, uh, for, for a little bit of my early career, it, it, my first professional job was for uh, a an indoor soccer, a professional indoor soccer team. And they were called the Orlando Sharks. You probably never heard of them. But um, I've heard of the Tampa I, Rowdies. I've heard of the Rowdies. Which I oh, guess really? is the rivals, right? I guess because yeah. they're like the 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 A League, I think, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Well, th- th- at this time, they were the MISL, the Major Indoor Soccer League, and um, there were a couple of we had a a venue guy, but he we was we had that we used to have that conversation about the trap, the trap can of field, and how that is absolutely like logistically, it's a it's a nightmare. You got to drive, like you're saying, you got to drive over a bridge that always gets backed up. If you, it's just so inconvenient. If you don't live in St. Pete, one of my best friends. And they're expanding it. So even more traffic. Are they really? Yeah. They're, they're that bridge. They're going to expand. Yeah. They're expanding it. But again, that, that means they have to shut down lanes. So it just makes it, there creates even more traffic. I mean, all, all, all these, Oh, let's, well, let's talk about Phillies fans real quick since you know we have to, um, Phillies fans are, if you're not a Phillies fan, it's the worst thing in the world, but they are the most. I mean, you've, you've heard stories and them throwing batteries or, or Eagles fans throwing batteries at Santa Claus during, I mean, they just, they will riot. They will, Philadelphia's got the best fans. And I'm, I know I'm biased, but Bryce Harper, when he was playing for uh, the Nationals, when he used to go to Philadelphia, he used to be like, I want to play here. I want This is where I want to play. This, this is the best fan base. I was reading another article and or I heard an announcer, I think, during the game the other night. And he was just like, yeah, there's home field advantage. And then there's the Phillies and then there's the Citizens Bank Park because it is they just man, it, it, if, it, if you're playing away in Philly, it just sucks for you. It sucks. When uh, Bryce Harper used to play with the Nationals, I was like, how in the world is this guy going to fit in Philadelphia? Because he's from Las Vegas. Yeah, he played in Washington. In Washington, they went to the playoffs all the time. That was a super team. When you look back at that roster of those mid twenty ten Nationals, you're like, how in the world did these guys didn't these guys win a World Series? And they and they won it when they the weren't year. even that good. When Harper went to Philadelphia, but then yeah. you realize, yeah, he he was he was used to be hated. Like the Braves fan, like now it's a joke. But before they really yeah. did hate him, but now it's kind of like, well, we we just boo you because we have to. But yeah, they totally respect Harper, but. I know you're a big Phillies fan. I want to ask you, though, if we take you away from your art, from your comedy, from your casting directory, from your Phillies fandom, and you were to become the new Major League Baseball commissioner, what's one or two things you would do to change the game in the way you want it? It, Whether it can be something small, it can be something big, anything you want, you're the new MLB commissioner. Bring steroids back. I think that's unequivocally, that's the first thing I would do. I would encourage it. I would create a program for the players where they could get sponsored by different steroid companies. I would have, I would create a, a, an entirely new kind of league where it, it, you can't play. You're not allowed to play if you're not chemically enhanced. Like I want to see. What about, what does creatine bar- count? If you're taking uh, creatine protein no. powder, no, it has to be. No, it's got to be a, an intermuscular injection of anabolic human growth, more like human growth hormones. Yeah, HGH. I mean, I want to see Bonds as I want to see McGuire's and Sosa's. I want to see 50-year-old players hitting 70 home runs. I want to see like 700 foot home runs. I want to see a ball actually hit through someone's skull and have the first fatality in the major leagues. I want to see all these just superheroes just battering each other and 
They just got to be just just uh, munching on those gorilla balls and just being like, yeah, this yeah. is going to give me that extra juice. Yeah. I want to see a Roger Clemens. I want to see another 300 game winner. I want to see a 400 game winner. I want someone to break Psych, Psych, uh, Psych, what's his name? Cy Young. Cy Young, yeah. I want to see that record broken. 500, let's see a 600 game winner. Forget seeing is broken. I want them to bring back Cy Young with some giraffe uh, hoof power. Yeah. Bring him back from the dead and say, here, go pitch, win 600 games. That's the real stuff right there. Let's clone Cy Young. Let's dig him up. Let's take his DNA. Let's put him in a test tube. Let's like create a new Cy Young. Let's take Cy Young, Satchel Page, all these guys. I used, I grew up loving. Okay, so that's like like not not a serious answer, but I guess what, to be what fair, I'm sure there there would be a, a little bit more owners that you would think that would be like it's not a bad idea. That makes money, baby. Absolutely. I don't know why we frown frown upon um, you know. Uh, you know, steroids and and, and different and performing to our physical limits. If everybody's allowed to do it, then it's not cheating, right? Like, just let everybody do it. Then, then it's a level playing field. Oh man, that was, I think it's so funny too when people like look at Barry Bonds or like, you know, there's two schools of thought. First of all, you know, you know, steroids are not gonna make you hit the ball, and it's not improve your eye eye hand coordination what it is going to do it's going to give you a longer you look at bonds's um he didn't have his first i think 40 home run season until he was like 38 or 39 or something like you look at that stretch of i want to say like 99 to 2003 or something and his just his numbers just jump if he never went down the balco route what do do you finish with like 764 or something like that or 762 um, if he, if he didn't do that, I, I think he's like a mid to high four hundreds, uh, you know, and still you know, a hall of famer, still a hall, still a hall that, of famer. He, that guy was the greatest player of his generation. I, I, you know, Absolutely. all due respect to Ben Griffey Jr. And all that stuff, but Barry Bonds yeah. is the greatest player of his generation. And he was his ego. He got jealous yeah. of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, two dudes who yeah. couldn't hold a candle to Barry Bonds. That's, it was his ego. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, I look back. I mean, I, I, I joke about it, but I do look back on that time where, I mean, that was, I was in my, I was my teenage years. I remember that the home run race looking at the, uh, I, my mom used to have a subscription to time magazine. And so I remember like seeing there had an article that mapped out every ball that McGuire hit during that 70 home run season. And, and it's so funny. And looking back in retrospect, blood ceiling, he knew. Like there's no way he didn't know, but it saved baseball after the strike, the, you know, the season, uh, shortened, uh, shortened season in 94, yeah, bro, the, the number, the attendance was down. And that season is a shame because, uh, one of my favorite players, Tony Gwynn, Gwynn I don't know if you, you look up some of his, his, his hitting statistics. And I think like to, to, he would have had to strike out 365 times in like the last 10 seasons to get his his he's the i think he's probably the one and one of the the greatest hitter of all time from a you know, contact and hitting perspective obviously like ty cobb pete rose i love pete rose too um but yeah that that steroid saved baseball i mean there's no if fans buts about it I think you're. I already. I already sketched out your your next art series. Like I said, it's the cat series is going to come out, and then yeah. the steroids. I think you should incorporate yeah. incorporate that into your <laughs> cards as well. Like, look just how like big. Me. Like, look how big yeah. my heart swells for you. It just have like a steroid needle falling out of it. I could do like a still life of just all syringes and stuff. I think that. I am kind of on the fence about the pitch clock. I don't love the pitch clock. And I can I, I can honestly see I can see the the what the intention is with it, but I think that we're gonna see some of these older pitchers, which pitching is the I think the one position where you actually do get it's like fine wine. Older pitchers. Um, your ball placement gets better, you know, your pitch selection gets better, your even if your velocity drops, like you, you if you have good placement, 
I, I mean, this is just a theory of mine. I, I can see this pitch clock really working against older pitchers that don't have the kind of uh, recovery and athleticism as a younger guy. And um, also I've seen some just really rushed feeling moments. As I said before, baseball is a game of suspense, right? A part of that suspense is the waiting and the timing. And even if you don't like it, that's part of the game. That's always been part of the game. Baseball is the only, that's what makes it so unique. There's no time limit on it. You can theoretically, you can have a baseball game that goes in perpetuity and lasts forever. And that's cool. You know what I mean? That There's extra extra innings and there's no ties, you know? Um, so I, I, I think the pitch clock has kind of, uh, it's taken a little bit of the finesse away from the game. It's taken a little bit of the charm and the, what makes baseball unique. Now there's a, it's time. That's so weird to me. Um, I hope I've heard people talk about it, but I hope they never do. I hope they never incorporate like a, um, like a strike, like a digital umpire that, you know, forms a, a, the strike zone box and I, I, you, cause you need, you need framing. That's a part of the game, right? Framing the ball, catcher, framing the ball. Oh, you mean automatic, like automatic balls and strikes. Yeah. Well, they, automatic they, balls and strikes. They've, they've experimented with that in, I believe it was the Cape Cod league or uh-huh. another independent league, not in the minors yet, but they had, but they have done it and organized professional baseball and they've done it with, in concurrence with MLB. Cause they wanted, they wanted to test it out in, in other <laughs> forums. Do they have any findings as far as how it affects? I don't know the I don't know the findings. I think they've only done it for about a year or so. Again, it's a, yeah. I think it's either Cape Cod or another independent league that that did it for MLB. Uh, because that, to me, that's part of baseball. You know how 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 is the umpire calling them? Right. It's almost like even when you, when you look at the NBA and how physical it used to be, and now you have guys flopping and and you know I know LeBron James catches shit for you know being dramatic and selling these fouls. You know, they sell the fouls now. Um, that's been a trend that changed the 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 basketball game. So I hope they never do something that takes away kind of like a you know it, it, it's something about baseball. It's it's was that a ball? Was that a strike? It's not. Black and white. It's not cut dry. Cut and Conversation dry. starter. Yeah, but yeah. So I guess that's my my short answer. It's like, eh, pitch clock. I don't know if we need it. It's shortened games. Uh, so you know why I think thirty or forty minutes on average. I yeah, think they, it's about just about thirty minutes, which is yeah. needed because baseball is played. I think it, it's baseball. Baseball is played five six times a week. In football, yeah. when you're watching, I don't know if you're your Eagles fan, if you're a Bucks fan, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You you can give. I'm going to give you three hours one time yeah. a week. I'm not giving right. you three hours six times a week because I have people to cast. I have yeah hats to draw. So you have uh, so you so you were on board with the pitch clock. You like the pitch clock. I I like I like anything that would speed the game up because exactly that. I don't I don't yeah. want to be up at 11:30 on a Tuesday. Well, I mean that's fair enough, and and also you know it gets you out of the ballpark if you're going to a game. Um, I, I guess another reason I'm not crazy about it is I'm I'm always <laughs> I'm always late for stuff. So I like to show up in the third inning and and catch like a good amount of baseball. If you do that now, you're going to be there for an hour and a half and you got to go. Yeah, last call. Yeah, and I think that's another thing. I think they actually like I've read that concessions they're doing like the last call later so right. that they can do more sales. Which it's all about the money, all about the steroids and beer. So yeah. what the, so some of the things one of the things that they're doing to play to try to offset that is now that a lot of the baseball ballparks are having happy hour. So they're inviting you to come like at six o'clock and they do like 50 percent off to drink up until the first pitch. Then it goes up to like thirty seven dollars for a pint of beer. No kidding. Yes. Wow, I didn't know about that. I hope they do that at the bank. I'm gonna, I got to check that out. Well, they're not doing that for the playoffs, but, you know, in the regular season, uh, oh, a lot, right. a lot, some yeah. of these some of these uh some of them have have already implemented that uh, basically happy hour at the park instead of bark yeah. at the park. What's your prediction? Phillies, Braves, who's going to win and in how many games? You, you know what's funny, man? Uh, I was just going to uh, I was going to uh, say, hey, I know you've asked me a lot of questions. Let me ask you a question. What's your prediction? My prediction, I'll be honest with you. I think that Phillies and four. I know you're not going to really you're not going to be crazy about that. I think the Phillies will uh, I think the Braves will drop 
Uh, I think they'll bounce back tonight. Hopefully not. But I mean, if the if the Philly wins tonight, the Braves are they're toast, bro. Like, I mean, I always like I always like to see a good series as well. I can see them dropping. I can see the Phils dropping tonight's game and then winning uh, the two that are in and then clinching in in Philadelphia just because it's like I said, Rob Thompson, he knows how to manage in the playoffs. And also the Phillies are built for the playoffs like their um, their relievers are averaging. I think their fastballs are averaging like ninety six point four miles an hour. The relievers on what was that Saturday night averaged ninety seven miles an hour. And that just bringing out fireballer after fireballer, fresh arms, like, dude, it, it fucked with the Braves. Uh, they're, they're hitting first time they've been shut out at home since 2021. Like that, those are risky decisions that Rob Thompson's willing to make that are the difference between him and what was it, Joe Girardi before him. And, and he's, and even last, when you look at last season, no, and the Phils. It wasn't Joe Girardi. It was uh, Gabe Cap, Gabe, Gabe Kaplan, and then Joe Girardi before Kaplan. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. Kaplan was uh, there for about two years. He got fired, and then he went over to the Giants. But anyways, go on. I don't even know my own managers, but I do know Rob 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 Thompson, and and there has been a marked difference in that team when Rob Thompson took over. I don't know what he's doing. Some guys just have that 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 touch, right? Like Phil Jackson with his his teams, like. Some guys just they they know how to uh, look at the the data and they know how to make these decisions, and it's it's funny how much a a, a manager matters in baseball. Like you can turn a five hundred team into like a you know six hundred team, or I mean that's what happened last season with the Phils. They Rob Thompson came in halfway through; they were right around five hundred, and then you know we don't know what happened after that. I think that in baseball, having a whole week off, that really messed with the Braves hitters because, yeah. yes, they did do yeah. open scrimmages and they and they brought up some guys from their minor league. But that's not the same thing to to, to face live professional, uh, live MLB level, not just MLB level, playoff pitchers for a whole week. In football, you would welcome a week off, the bye week in the playoffs because your body needs to recover. But in baseball, your body is used to playing six times a week. If you're not playing for more than two days in a row, your body's like, um, what's going on here? And as yeah. we saw for different reasons, the Braves couldn't score a single run in their first game. The LA Dodgers were absolutely rocked by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Clayton Kershaw, I think he got one out, right? Yeah. One out the, the Baltimore Orioles also offensive problems. They lost to the Rangers in game one and in game two, but that was a different story. The only, the only, division winner that won their first game was the Astros mm-hmm. like that was it and again yeah. the, the Dodgers lost for their own reason Braves lost for their own reason I think now going forward especially with the Braves the offense is going to be back to where yeah. they they themselves expect to be yeah that, and that's what um you know scares me about tonight's game it's just like oh uh, I feel like they're gonna they're first of all they're gonna be a lot more motivated you know it, it's easy to to go in as a 100 105 game winner winning team and like, uh, we're going to, I'm sure they, I'm not, not that they never t- didn't take Philadelphia seriously, but um, yeah, it's their look Atlanta, I think was the best team in baseball this year. Weren't they? Oh yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The best record, most runs, most, I mean, every yeah. record was theirs. And yeah, for me, the, no team scared me as a Braves man, but the Phillies are always the team that that concerns you because no other team I think is built like the Phillies that could actually compete with the the uh the braves by the time this comes out we're gonna know we should uh, yeah. know unless it goes to game five we should do a follow-up we will <laughs> all right so now we've learned about rome la the broad the greeting cards <laughs> as baseball fans when we go to philadelphia if we want to go see the phillies or if the or if our favorite team is in is in philadelphia what are some places, maybe in the Philly or in the South Jersey area, oh. that you would recommend for a good cup of coffee, a good drink, or some food that you like? I love my girlfriend and I. There's a couple like great little areas. So I, I really like South Philly. South Philly, you have uh, South Street, which is right. There's Jim's cheesesteaks, but I think that burnt down. I think they just brought it back <laughs> because of steroids. <laughs> I'm That's answering they, this they, they really well. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, there's a place called uh, what's that? Oh, O'Brien's. O'Brien's. I just thought of it. So yeah, it's it's called O'Brien's. It's right on. It's right off of South Street, and um, it's just a great. It's a great place to watch baseball. It's a great place. They have really good food specials too. They have it like on a Wednesday. They have a cheesesteak special, which obviously you gotta get cheesesteak in Philly, and it's like five bucks for a really good cheesesteak, which is insane. It's 2023. You can't get shit for five bucks. So that's one of my favorite places. Um, also, if you want to go to like Passyunk, I can't, I can't tell you any specific places, but I went there with my brother for his birthday one year. And it's just like a really cool, really, really cool area. Um, if you want to, if you're in South Jersey, Haddonfield has got some really nice little eateries. Um, but you got to go South Jersey diners, bro. Like South Jersey diners, I don't know if it's like nationally known, but they're just, they're fun. They have like 300 things on the menu and, um, you know, we like to go to this Pandora down. I'm, I'm in South Jersey, kind of out in the sticks a little bit. Um, there's also a restaurant. I got to plug this. This is our favorite Italian restaurant. It's called Graziano's. And Graziano's is such a little charming. It feels like an, an old Italian grandmother's basement. There's all these just, it's so tacky, but there's, the food is so good and it's actually not crazy priced. Like it's really reasonable. Um, I, I feel like I'm getting to be in like, like an old man. Cause I'm getting like my dad. I start, I've been complaining about a lot of prices on things. One thing my girlfriend makes me, makes fun of me for is like every guy, like if we go to Taco Bell for a snack, I'm always bitching about like, why the fuck is a, a, a meal like a value meal at Taco Bell 10 bucks? Like when I was a kid, we used to go to TB and it was to be like, uh, you know, a, a dollar 29 for a, a taco supreme. Brio supreme was like maybe two, two twenty nine. I think you get double decker taco supreme for like dollar 19. And now like, bro, you, you, there's no dollar menu anymore at any of these places. We're going off on a tangent, but I, I hate but these are important things. This is what America's talking about, though. Yeah, yeah. This is has nothing to do with your question, but I, I am so disappointed with the price of of fast food now. I yeah. guess it's good. You don't eat as much, but uh, I like the the area around the rail line, which is like the Philly version of the High Line. Um, oh yeah, and also um, the I don't remember the neighborhood because I've been in Philly to Philly in a, in a little while. There's an area like northeast of the rail line. It's kind of like industrial, but back then it was maybe like three or four years Fishtown. ago. Is that Fishtown? Maybe they had like breweries there and like little stores. I don't remember. It's like a little bit closer to the river, uh, but it's northeast of uh, of like a yeah. house square. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love I, I love Philadelphia. I'm a big fan. Of great food in Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly's, Philly's great, man. Um, Next time you're in Philly, you got you to look me up. We'll meet up. There's also something that's really cool and unique to Philadelphia called um, Graffiti Pier. And like, if you ever had, oh, this is, this ties in because of the, the art angle, but if you ever have any interest in, and in like getting into and practicing street art, it's a place where you can safely do that without worrying about getting arrested. You, you pull up to this little, I don't even want to call it a parking lot. It just looks like a in, rundown industrial area. And then you walk through this hole in the fence and you walk back to this old pier where you, they, that's right on the, um, the river and uh it's just um, it's a wonderland of graffiti and there's always people tagging or um there's actually a really unique and distinct to philadelphia style of tagging and graffiti i forget what it's called the name escapes me but it's just the it's like the font and the lettering that is very unique to the area so you're going to see tagging you're going to see some really cool street art and it's a place that it's like a safe space for anybody who wants to um do some do some graffiti or, or just kind of any kind of street art, you know, it's good. Thanks for that. Letting us know. Darren, really I want to cool. thank you for joining us this week. Let us know where we can find your work, maybe see you live and any social media you want to share with us. Oh yeah. So my, um, my Instagram is just at, uh, get more Darren. It's, it's my, my name, only it's a really incredibly, uh, sophisticated play on words. And it, you know, it shows my wit and my, my character and, just how smart I am, I guess, get more Darren, two O's, two R's in my name. So it's not get more M-O-R-E, it's M-O-O-R-E, which once again, going back to how clever it is, I have a website. It's uh, the, the, the name of my greeting cards are Twisted Greetings, but I use that website not only for my uh, greeting cards, but also my art. 
It's www. I see that's 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 how old I am. I still say www. What I'm <laughs> what's wrong with me? So first you want to log on to your AOL account and geek. <laughs> so it's called uh, twistedgreens.com. Um, and there's a dash. There's like somebody already already bought twisted greens. So it's twisted-greetings.com. And that's where all my art resides. And I have like, I have stuff that's for sale on there. I also have my greeting cards. Thanks to Darren for joining us this week. I enjoyed that conversation. You know what? Hats off to Darren because he called it correctly. The Phillies did beat the Braves in four games. Look, as a fan, I may have lost because the Tampa Bay Rays got knocked out in the wild card. The Atlanta Braves got knocked out in the divisional round. But in my hands, I have my victory drink because I love having a drink when I'm making this podcast. This beer is called Right Near the Peach. Boy, that actually is what it's called. Right Near the Peach. Dot, 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 dot. Boy, it's a peach wheat ale. Is it still summer? Obviously not. We can still have nice, refreshing drinks. It's from a good American local brewery called Southern Hops Brewing Company in Murals Inlet, South Carolina. There is no baseball being played in South Carolina right now. This peach wheat ale is going to go down very well to soothe my baseball fandom disappointment. But on that bright note, thanks for listening to Last Call Baseball. Be great and get home safe.